0: This is Shane Dobbin and you're listening to Subject ACT on People Powered Radio 2XFM 98.3. Today we're talking All Things Expo. Do you know what Expo is? Let me tell you a little bit about what Expos are all about. World Expo is a giant exhibition, a global gathering of nations dedicated to finding solutions to the most pressing universal challenges of our time. The first World Expo, the Great Exhibition as it was known, was held in London in 1851. The concept became so popular it was repeated across the globe and now World Expos are held every five years in a different country which bid for the honour to host the Expo. In our time, World Expos are unrivalled among international events in their size, scale and duration, and visitor numbers. They're large-scale platforms that serve as a bridge between governments, companies, international organisations and citizens. Expo is the third largest global event after the Olympics and the FIFA World Cup. In 2010, it was held in Shanghai, China. 2015, Milan in Italy. With Osaka, Kansai, Japan hosting Expo in 2025. In 2013, the United Arab Emirates won the rights to host the 2020 World Expo, which is postponed now, sadly, until 2021, but we're coming up shortly. Twice the size of Monaco, Expo Dubai is packed with 190 countries, united under the theme Connecting Minds, Creating the Future. It is known as the greatest show on earth to talk about Expo 2020. I'm thrilled to introduce Justin McGowan, the commissioner general of the Australian pavilion at World Expo Dubai into the studio today. Thank you, Justin, and welcome.
1: Thank you very much, Shane. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here on what is uh, Canvas longest running community radio station.
0: We're very excited to have you, and that's true. How long has it been running? I think uh, 1976. It's a-, a long time. Well, Tell me a little bit about where we're up to with Expo. I know it was due to open last month and uh, with COVID-19, it's been put back till next year, but I guess that's probably a a plus. So tell us a little bit about Expo and why it's important for Australia and other countries to participate.
1: Thanks, Shane. I'll firstly point out that, uh, yes, the global pandemic has impacted a whole range of mega events around the world. And in this case, Expo has been impacted, but you're exactly right. It has given us greater opportunity to prepare In terms of Australia's decision to participate, we don't take these things lightly. So we don't necessarily participate in all expos. We look at these on a case-by-case basis, look at the, uh, the business case, and in this particular situation, you know, this will be the most participated expo that's ever been, with over 190 nations, as you point out, will attend, and the first in the Middle East. So we see it presents quite a significant opportunity for Australia
0: so how long has australia been in the uae i know i lived there for 10 years and you are also living there so we all have stories to tell i came back uh december last year and hope to go over and visit the expo next year how long has australia had a presence in the sense of embassies and consuls across the middle east and how many aussies live there
1: so australia has a long-standing relationship with the middle east and the region we've had an embassy in the uae since 1999 but we've had Australians involved in the building of that nation from since it first was brought together over 50 years ago. So Expo 2020 actually aligns with 50 years of nationhood for the UAE. We have around 16,000 Australians who currently reside in the UAE, about 300, 350 Australian companies. So very active in the community. And many Emiratis choose to study in Australia each year. So we have a whole range of alumni, so really strong connections with, with the UAE.
0: I had the privilege of teaching leadership to the Ministry wow. of Interior to Emiratis, and I must say the education side of things are very important and, and increasingly so for Australians. Dubai Expo theme is connecting minds and creating the future. It's all about new partnerships and inspiring ideas that will forge the world of tomorrow. However, there are three sub themes opportunity, mobility, and sustainability. What do these mean, Justin?
1: Yeah, this is the first expo that actually in fact does have sub themes and i think it helps in uh, giving a bit more meaning to understanding what the expo is seeking to achieve certainly bringing the world together into one place and collaborating and sharing ideas to solve some of the world's challenges is a part of that overarching theme, connecting minds and creating the future and then the sub themes um, the first of which is opportunity and that's really about shaping the future and unlocking potential quite a significant focus on global social challenges. And then we have the mobility sub theme, which is really about the movement of knowledge, ideas, but also more traditional aspects like transport and goods and people and the future of transport. And then we have sustainability, and that's really about the need to live in balance with the world. So a strong focus at Expo on looking at uh, alternative sources of food, water, clean energy, etc. So the sub themes play an integral role in the layout of the Expo site. So each of the pavilions will be located in one of those particular areas.
0: And where is the Australian pavilion located?
1: We're lucky enough to be in the mobility space and that's really about quite a broad interpretation from Australia's perspective. That's really reflecting the egalitarian society that we are, that there's the ability for people to have access to education, to move between classes and really sharing knowledge.
0: Tell me a little bit about the Australian Pavilion. Who's built the pavilion? What the design is like? How many visitors can it accommodate? And, and what experiences and activities will take
1: place? This is really exciting for us. It's a real opportunity to bring together the best of Australia in terms of designing something that truly reflects us as a nation. So we did an open wide tendering process across the nation where we had companies from right around Australia uh, tendering to build the Australian Pavilion. It was won by an architect called Bureau Proberts in Queensland. A fantastic design that speaks to who we are as Australians. You know, open, warm, optimistic, critical thinkers. So the design is this incredible cloud structure. It's about 21 metres high. The Australian aluminium sits over the top of this structure and that's really about bringing the best of Australia to the Middle East. And then we have this fantastic terrain which is made by the world's first cross-laminated timber from Tasmania that we've brought across and it, it forms the peaks and valleys of Australian terrain. So this beautiful timber that's underneath the pavilion itself will tell a really impressive story. So we have some of the creative team involved in the sydney olympics working with us to really tell that national story so it talks about how rich we are as a nation from our multicultural perspective and we have some fantastic indigenous artists that have done some fantastic things within the pavilion so the visitor journey will be about a 20 minute journey that will tell this story of multicultural australia then it opens up to this fantastic planetarium that talks about how australia has derived innovation from 65,000 years of civilization and then the last gallery is all about the future we have scoured the country working with our partner CSI all the states and territories to say what is the differentiators that Australia has to offer in overcoming some of the world's challenges. Some fantastic inventions and the creative innovative Australia will be in this huge gallery that has uh, you know, maybe 15 metres by 7 metres high projections on every every surface and really tell the story of Australia. But through the lens of a young girl. So through youth. So uh, I don't want to give away too much, but we think this will be a really compelling story that will create an emotional connection with Australia uh, and you know leave a mark on people when they're thinking in the future about where they want to visit, study, invest or do business in 10, 20 years time that Australia features in that conversation.
0: That does sound exciting. That's the first I've actually heard of that. <laughs> That's a little tidbit we hadn't seen before. Do we have a theme for the Aussie Pavilion?
1: We do. It is blue sky dreaming. And that really talks to that optimistic, ambitious nation that we are. So we really want to bring together, particularly when times are tough around the world, really talk to this optimistic nation and looking to solve some of the challenges that face the world.
0: So you mentioned all the states are involved. Are there any Canberra businesses that are involved in Expo? And what sort of businesses are partnering with the Australian Expo in Dubai?
1: So it's mainly federal government departments involved from the Canberra perspective, as you'd imagine. We do have some companies that have shown interest to participate on some of the trade missions. So there'll be a series of trade missions that occur throughout the six months of Expo. Um, we do have over 15 federal government agencies involved on a steering committee. And this is really about having a broad perspective and thinking about all the different stakeholders' needs, You know, making sure we best represent their interests.
0: How long will it take to go through the Australian Pavilion? And if I'm an Aussie, should I see my own pavilion?
1: I think it's a must see for an Aussie, you know, particularly if you're uh, traveling abroad and, and, you know, seeing. From, from the eyes of the other visitors their experience and it's really quite infectious seeing other stakeholders and and other visitors even in involved in the journey to date to see how we're challenging their perceptions of who we are so they may have an idea that Aussies are larrikins or we've got great beaches and kangaroos but we really want to open their eyes that we're really a clever nation we've got a whole heap to offer the world so it's really about challenging their perceptions so definitely for an Aussie come along um, we'd love to have you as a guest at the Australian Pavilion it'll take about 20 minutes to go through the journey we will have sophisticated dining and an event space so we can host up to about 200 people we'll have a michelin star chef each month wow uh, great australian produce uh, great australian events that talk about australian innovation broken down by thematics so each week there'd be a different theme whether it be space agriculture whether it be advanced manufacturing it could be a whole range of sectors or it could be something around the sustainable development goals At Expo Australia, will be leading on all things sport. So we'll be the lead nation and really talking about that ubiquitous language that sport brings and and how that connects the world.
0: So does that mean you have the Wallabies and the Cricketers and the uh, Socceroos? Who will be there?
1: So we have signed agreements with uh, a range of our major sporting bodies and looking to get them involved and really talk about the power of sport and how it connects nations and people and communities.
0: If you've just tuned in, this is Subject ACT on your people-powered radio, 2XFM 98.3. Tonight we're talking to Justin McGowan, who's the Commissioner-General of the Australian Pavilion for Expo Dubai, which is happening next year. And how do you get there? So I think people have the wrong idea about Dubai. So how will you be able to access Expo 2020? So I arrive in Dubai, what happens then?
1: So there is a quite sophisticated domestic destination marketing campaign that Expo will run globally. Uh, and the idea is leveraging the global hub that is Dubai. So people that are on their way to Europe or other locations that they stop off for a few days. There's a direct transport link to the Expo site. So there's extended the train, the metro, uh, the metro directly to, to Expo, which is which is fantastic. They've built new hotels and, and shopping malls in very device style around the Expo site. So they'll make it very easy. So I expect to see uh, package deals uh, from Emirates Airlines and others to, to attract people to the event.
0: How long would it take? I mean, it's probably not possible to get around 190 pavilions. What would, do you think would be an average time that you could spend? You'd probably have to select where you were going to go in advance, etc. What would be an average kind of time or duration to look at expo?
1: I think it really depends on what your interests are. So the expo organisers have arranged themed journeys. So if you're interested in space, for example, you look at you go to the three or the top four nations that are showcasing that particular exhibit. Or some countries are focused on the ocean, plastics in the ocean, a range of things, and technology around that. So you can really arrange your time at expo based on what your interests are. Depending on the crowd numbers, I think that you'll be able to see a, a number of pavilions in a day. But it depends on how, long, how much time you want to spend at each. So the Australian pavilion will have the opportunity to line up and go through the visitor journey, but we're quite unique where we have this fantastic stage with Australian entertainment. We have an Aussie grill, we have a bar, we have a, a Melbourne cafe type culture where people can come and experience some, some of Australia without necessarily having to go through the process of lining up. So it really depends on, on what your interests are.
0: So the real emphasis again is going to be on education, and and all the universities and many lots of Australian universities in the UAE, and as you say, lots of people studying within Australia, lots of Emiratis studying within Australia, and vice versa. Are many Australian universities participating in Expo?
1: There are. So one of our major partners is the University of Wollongong, who's partnered with the Australian government and the Australian Pavilion, which is fantastic. But we've also. Currently in contact with over 30 Australian universities to contribute to keynote speakers. So really showcasing the best of Australia, talking about our world-leading expertise and innovation in particular sectors, right across that thematic programming that will get particular professors and academics across to talk and host town hall type discussions or forums and those things. And also be part of debates and also what they call the World Majulus Series, where it's bringing together some of the greatest minds on the planet and then televising that around the world so we want as many Aussies in those uh, in those conversations as possible because we think we've got a lot to add but also I'll add that we've got a lot to learn looking forward to learning from other nations as well.
0: And exciting when you talk about Majlis what do you mean by Majlis?
1: So Majlis is uh, an interesting uh, concept Uh, not one that's too unfamiliar with other cultures you know we have something in indigenous culture that is quite quite similar the idea is that it's a meeting place where key decisions are made like a council type meeting so think of a Majlis, uh, high-end Majlis in the Middle East, is you know a very opulent space where leaders, heads of state, and others will meet, take decisions, and talk about uh, particular issues and and help serve their constituents. So. We'll have a within the Australian Pavilion and uh, I'll give you a, a, a world first because we haven't spoken about this outside of outside of the UAE. We're bringing together Bedouin culture, which is ancient Indigenous Arabic culture and Australian Indigenous culture and creating this wonderful space. So we've got artists from both nations working on a, on a room that really brings together the two, the two spaces, you know, some fantastic furnishings and art and tells the story, even though we are so far apart that there is a whole range of similarities.
0: How exciting. As a long-term resident of the UAE, I have to confess, I love that sort of aspect. So that's what I'm going to ask you now. So if I'm coming for Expo, what else can I do in the UAE? I really want to experience Emirati hospitality, cuisine, I want to get out in the desert. I want to see Abu Dhabi. You want to go to Ajman or Russell Heimer. Yeah. How will I do that?
1: There is so much to offer. I think sometimes we have a perception of particular parts of the world. I think that people's eyes will be really opened um, so that Dubai and the UAE have taken it upon themselves by hosting Expo to really challenge the perceptions just not of the UAE but also the Middle East and particularly when Australia is looking to diversify markets and, and access to broader economies I think they will really open the eyes of Australians. So in terms of things to do you're exactly right there's these beautiful sunset tours where you can experience life in the, in the desert and have some great Arabic food and ride a, uh, a camel or get introduced to falconry, which is the national bird of the UAE, but also you know go up the, the largest or the tallest building in the world, the Burj Khalifa, go to the Grand Mosque in Abu Dhabi. There is really so much to offer, and it's really a, mel- a melting pot of nations being such a multicultural nation. So the population of the UAE is about 10 million people, about 1 million are uh, Emiratis. So really just imagine that. We have 9 million people from elsewhere around the world. It's quite an incredible, vibrant place to be, really innovative, forward-looking, so really some fantastic museums, culture, art and a range of things that people don't necessarily expect to see in the Middle East.
0: Well, you know there's no culture in the Middle East and there's certainly (laughs) no culture in Dubai. Perhaps we could just touch on that a little bit more. And they say if you land in Abu Dhabi, you love Abu Dhabi. If you land Mm -hmm. in Dubai, you love Dubai. I landed in Abu Dhabi and I moved to Dubai later, but I was always an Abu Dhabi girl. Mm -hmm. And to actually visit that Grand Mosque, but equally when you look at all the museums that are now sprung up um, the Louvre in Abu Dhabi, Mm -hmm. which is the only Louvre outside of Paris, the cultural precinct in Dubai perhaps uh, the the Dubai Opera House things that you might uh, want to expand a little bit on mm. about other things that people just don't think of as well as the old areas of Dubai that one really must see across mm. the creek
1: yeah yep. Dubai is uh, and the UAE is is just such a broad experience you know it's this eclectic very new vibrant uh, innovative aspects and you have this the concept of the uh, museum of the future which has just been built in Dubai has
0: that opened is, yet
1: uh, not quite open but it's this fantastic architecture so, piece which is you know imagine a a big elongated donut that defies gravity and you go wow how does that thing stand up you know you do have the forward-leaning incubator type cells and coming up with a range of uh, new innovation through to the old part of town which you know the dubai creek the souks getting vibrant textiles and Gold, the gold souk, the silver souk, all of those oh. things, and you can, um, you know, ride on traditional dows, which is a traditional UAE vote. All of those it's things.
0: It's like a dirham or something to cross the it is creek. is It is one dirham,
1: exactly right. So, um, you know, there's there's a, certainly a lot to experience in Dubai.
0: And will I be able to meet an Emirati? Do I need to cover? How will I behave?
1: So. I'd say that Dubai and, and the UAE is probably the most one of the most liberal countries in the Middle East but like we would expect in Australia that we you know respectful of local customs we do think it's it's wise to to dress modestly and and conservatively But Dubai, you know, really is, uh, you know, peoples from all around the world. Um, The likelihood of meeting an Emirati, absolutely. Some you will be greeted by someone at the airport. But there are very few Emiratis, as I said, 1 million out of the 10 million population. So you will see them around. But very welcoming, warm people, really open to sharing their experiences and, and I guess, uh, giving you an insight into what it is to be an Emirati.
0: What about... Tasting Emirati cuisine, and whilst it's a bit of a mixture of, of or a fusion of flavours, um, what do they they talk about the Dubai stone and the Abu Dhabi stone that we all put on because the food is so good? When you talk about Michelin mm. chefs, that's going to be great. But mm. how can I really have a, a an experience of, of eating some
1: Emirati food? So this is a fantastic part of the Middle East. They just they like Australians. They love good meals and good food and fresh produce. And with Dubai being a global hub, really every uh, bit of produce from around the world really comes into dubai and then gets re-exported elsewhere so you know when we go to coles or woolworths in australia you have a certain range uh, in dubai there's just incredible range of food uh, in terms of emirati culture and food you know experiencing beautiful shawamas and great meats and vegetables and things uh, cooked in you know traditional arabic way is uh, is really quite an experience
0: and it's going to be so hot. How am I going to be able to manage that?
1: So fortunately, Expo uh, has been planned around the coolest time of the year. So uh, at the end of the year, so typically uh, our summer is their winter. So um, And the temperatures range from about 25 to, to 35 uh, during, during Expo. So from October through to April, that's the, probably the, the cooler months. But the place is really built. For uh, air conditioning, you know, even the bus stations are air conditioned. Uh, all the shopping malls, it is well placed to support you in the, in the heat. And and likewise, the the healthcare arrangements in in the UA are very good. You know, the world class. So, if, so if
0: I get sick, I'll be fine. There's Western there's some Western uh, health centres and hospitals.
1: Little, the hospitals are world class, but it's really important to make sure that before you travel, you have travel insurance, as as we would recommend, and keep an eye on Smart Traveller before you do travel. We're hoping the world is opened up by then, but definitely uh, make sure have travel insurance before you go.
0: Is there anything else that you think that we should see or do at Expo? Anything you'd like to add, Justin?
1: I just think that, you know, particularly with COVID, this will be the first mega event post-COVID, we we hope, inshallah, uh, and that uh, we bring the world together to really celebrate what humanity's achieved and some of the innovation that's come out of our time during lockdown. But it's it will be the first time the world is together in one place. So being able to travel to all these different nations, experience all these different cultures, different foods, cuisines, people. I think it's it's a wonderful celebration. I encourage people to come along.
0: Well, thank you very much for coming in today. And congratulations on the Australian Pavilion. It sounds fantastic. A whole, the whole expo sounds an incredible experience. And I'm being a little bit facetious because I think that weather is better than our summer sometimes here now. It's <laughs> somehow with climate change, it's completely reversed and it's the most beautiful time of year. Thank you very, very much.
1: Thanks very much, Shane. Great to be on here.
0: Shukran Justin McGowan, Commissioner-General in charge of what sounds like an amazing pavilion at next year's World Expo, which is being held in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. We hope to bring you follow-up stories from the pavilion itself in the lead-up to Expo Dubai, which opens its gates in October 2021. There we end tonight's podcast. I'm Shane Dobbin for Subject ACT. Thanks for listening.
1: You're listening to two double X FM.